Mavericks training camp is underway. We talked to assistant GM Michael Finley about the new energy around this year's team, the lessons he learned as a member of the San Antonio Spurs championship team in 2007, along with a fun story about the trade that brought him to Dallas back in 1996. But first, Christy Meyer Johnson joins us to talk about the stampede of speed coming up at the Texas Motorplex. And radio legend Norm Hitzkis joins us to talk Mavericks, Cowboys, how he connects with his audience, along with a red hot TV recommendation. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the mic drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening, subscribing. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating. We would appreciate it. Episode 33, Monica, uh, which immediately makes me think, not a Larry Bird, not Scottie Pippen, not any of those people. It makes me think of Willie Cauley-Stein, one of my favorite Mavericks, one of the most interesting men in the NBA. Of course, we're counting on Dane Dunning to be wearing 33 in the Rangers rotation next year. Jose Canseco wore 33 through some infamous seasons a couple decades ago with the uh, Rangers. Uh, speaking of infamous, Dwayne Thomas was wearing number 33 when he scored a touchdown for the Cowboys as part of their victory in Super Bowl VI. What was really famous about that game, though, with Dwayne Thomas and number 33 was his post-game interview with Tom Brookshire of CBS. Uh, I encourage people, go to YouTube and punch in Super Bowl VI postgame. Uh, Dwayne Thomas did not like the media. He gave a famous one-word answer of the word evidently to Tom Brookshire. There was a little more after that. Jim Brown was involved. It's a wild scene from a less sophisticated time of network broadcasts of, uh, of, the, of the Super Bowl. But this week, we're dedicating our performance to Tony Dorsett, Heisman Trophy and National Championship at Pitt. Of course, the number two overall selection in the NFL draft in 1977. You might say, well, who was picked ahead of Tony Dorsett? Well, it was Ricky Bell uh, out of USC taken by the Buccaneers. They'd like to have that one back since Dorsett ran for more than 12,000 yards and scored 77 TDs with the Cowboys, won a Super Bowl, multiple All-Pro seasons. And, of course, he was a debut guest on our sister podcast, Bowl Season Stories, with Nick Carparelli and Angela Lang. So, he had that going for him. So today we're dedicated to Tony Dorsett. Uh, mic drop moment. Uh, Monica, I know you're a golf fan with the U.S. Uh, winning the Ryder Cup in historic fashion, 19-9 uh, over the European team. Three Dallas connections. Jordan Speed scored a point and a half for U.S. team. Scotty Scheffler, captain's pick out of nowhere. Uh, not really out of nowhere, but a captain's pick who took down John Rahm in the Sunday singles and ended up with two and a half points. Bryson DeChambeau, SMU, lives in Dallas, two and a half points also. Uh, just an incredible scene there at Whistling Straits. I was privileged to be there. Uh, a lot of Dallas people were there. Tony Fay was there. Of course, Bob Sturm and Corby from the ticket were on hand. Uh, Monica, your favorite player, Brooks Kepka, took care of Sergio Garcia. Uh, I'm sorry, he took care of uh, Bern Wiesberger and Sunday Singles. Uh, he did well. He hugged Bryson uh, more than once. So that uh, little tiff can be put to rest. So were you happy to, to see Brooks do so well and for the team to 
perform so well? Oh, yes. I think it was an inspiring win. And, you know, not only did I watch Brooks, but I, I watched all of, in, all of them and tuned in uh, every day. And quite honestly, I think I, I'd be interested to see what those ratings were because I talked to a lot of people that said we – we watch from start to, to finish every day. So uh, excited for, you know, in the future, an opportunity for that energy and uh, that event to come to North Texas. It just seems as always, there's Dallas connections with every big event that, that happens. And this was certainly uh, no exception. Of course, the stars are underway with camp. So are the Mavericks. Reasons for optimism all around. We're going to get to some of that. The, the Mavericks have an open practice fan jam on uh, Sunday. Uh, so check that out. Uh, lots of excitement and new energy around the team. Of course, Monica, we talked last week about uh, SMU and TCU and the Iron Skillet game. Uh, SMU with a big 42 to 34 win. And did you know that Marcus was there on official mic drop assignment? Oh, I didn't know that he was there, but it was a great win. Very, very exciting. And I just love to really see and feel all that energy uh, in Dallas. It seems like the Dallas community has really uh, embraced the, those Mustangs of SMU and uh, look forward to continued success here throughout the season. So I'd be interested to know what, uh, uh, what I guess, Marcus learned uh, on his mic drop assignment. All I know is uh, SMU is the best team in Dallas, and we're, we're going to national championship. It feels great to be a pony. That's the Mustang. Oh, so, Mar Marcus, I think we have to work on them getting in the top 25, but I like your enthusiasm, and I will continue to support, support SMU getting there. SMU is 4-0. They did get some top 25 votes. If it was a top 30, they would have been, I think, number 30. Uh, I'm going to throw this as a jump ball to both Marcus and Monica. So SMU is 21-6. and six. Going back to 2019, uh, you know, the the Sonny Dykes era is is going strong. Do either one of you know what his real first name is? I do, but only because I cheated. I think it's <laughs> Daniel. Am I correct? It is Daniel. Okay, you, you are you are correct. I could tell <laughs> by the look on Marcus's face uh, on our Zoom here that he had no idea, but that's okay. Uh, and also, here's another little little uh, tutorial for you, Marcus. Is Sonny Dykes? is the son of the late Texas Tech coach, Spike Dykes, whose real name was William, by the way. And interestingly, you know, Sonny did not play football at Tech. He was the first baseman on the baseball team. He got into coaching at J.J. Pierce High School in Richardson, first as the baseball coach, then jumped over to football, and obviously is having a lot of success with SMU. So, so way to go, uh, ponies. Uh, Monica, what's up at the Dallas Sports Commission? Well, Sully, before I talk about the Sports Commission, I just have to say – my Longhorns are back. I mean, did you, we didn't even discuss that uh, big win uh, over the weekend, Texas Tech. Uh, uh, we have TCU this weekend, but it was quite exciting for me to see them actually play football again and do quite well. Um, in terms of sports commission, whoo, boy, uh, do we have a lot going on. Obviously, uh, getting ready for Red River Showdown here in a few weeks. Uh, that's always special uh, with Texas and, and Oklahoma and, and both uh, great programs there. Uh, and obviously in the news a lot lately. Uh, but a lot of what we're working on surrounds uh, our FIFA site visits, a lot of planning going forth, uh, some exciting things that I'll be able to share here in the upcoming weeks as we uh, uh, really engage our entire community, the media, um, you know, national stakeholders, foundations, nonprofits, uh, really looking to benefit our community through this uh, World Cup and, and start to initiate some of that through uh, these site visits here on October 23rd and 24th. Uh, working on uh, an official WrestleMania on-sale party that uh, will be announced here soon and some 
really fun things that um, we may have in store for for the fans of WWE come March and April of 2022 and we host that. So we're starting. Uh, some people don't realize that you know some of these events we start planning a year and a half, two years out. So our women's final four uh, local organizing committee is is getting back together to start that planning. Uh, big weekend here uh, this weekend with the uh, National Soccer Hall of Fame induction. Uh, so very special out at Toyota Stadium. A lot of events with uh, around FC Dallas and, and that Na- National Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, U.S. soccer representatives uh, will be in town. So another opportunity for us to really hone in on our soccer legacy and, and continue that push uh, for 2026. Well, you continue to be the hardest working woman in show oh, business. No. That, that's for sure. Uh, I, I love hearing you talk about the way that sports benefits the community. We're going to hear from Christy Meyer Johnson uh, from the Texas Motorplex soon, and we're going to get into the impact on the community. One other uh, leftover tidbit from the Ryder Cup, you know, not everybody realizes the players don't get paid for that. They, 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 they receive $100,000 donated in their name to charity or charities of their choice. Now, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and and Jordan Spieth donated their hundred thousand to to their foundations, which both do uh, fantastic work. But interestingly, Scotty Scheffler picked five local uh, charities to donate twenty thousand each to, and one of them was the West Dallas Community School, which is very close to my heart, as it was founded by former Mavericks uh, general manager, the founder of the Mavericks, Norm Sanju, and his wife Carol. Uh, daughter Lynn was a teacher there for many years, so. Really cool that Scotty is, uh, was helping the West Dallas Community School. They've done amazing things, changing the quality of life for people in West Dallas for a long time. So, so another uh, another hop and week, Monica. We'll be back in a minute with Christy Meyer Johnson. Uh, first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Okay, Sully, it's really my favorite new event here in Dallas. Join the Perot Museum of Nature and Science every Thursday for Thursdays on Tap. Experience the museum after hours with a 21 plus crowd and you'll enjoy live music, drinks, and food trucks. Plus you get full access to exhibits all night long. It's the perfect date night. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Okay, now it's our pleasure to welcome to the mic drop Christy Meyer Johnson. She was born into a drag racing family. Her dad, the legendary Billy Meyer, is, a, is in the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. He was a uh, unbelievable funny car driver, but then he went on to develop the Texas Motorplex in Ennis back in 1986. Christy's one of those people that uh, worked her way up to the top, selling t-shirts and popcorn and, and everything else uh, starting out and has worked every possible job that you can out at the Motorplex. She's now a co-owner. She's a, she's a Baylor grad, so Monica, she's coming for you later this season. Uh, congratulations, Christy, on the Hoops Championship, uh, and welcome to the mic drop. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Christy, I, I, I have to say I'm impressed with the, the, the Baylor team this year. So I will be, uh, maybe we'll have a little rivalry bet later on uh, in the season, but really excited to have you here on the mic drop. Um, before we get into all the events that you have coming up, uh, you know, Sully mentioned uh You've pretty much done it all as you worked yourself uh, up and and following in the family business. Give us a uh, give us our listeners, you know, how that came about and and why you decided to kind of go in that route. Sure. Um, originally, I always wanted to be a teacher. I grew up at the racetrack and going to races all over the country with my dad when he was a racer. And when he retired, he built the Texas Motorplex. I was about two, so every good memory I have is 
centered around drag racing. But my whole life, I wanted to be a teacher, just like my mom. So I went to Baylor. I graduated um, with a family and consumer science degree, and I was a home economics teacher, surprisingly enough. So I can cook and clean with the best of them. But I decided one day after a few years in the classroom, it just it just wasn't what I really felt like I should be doing. And I talked to my dad and my husband and my dad said, you know, why don't you just come learn the family business? And so he brought me to the racetrack and obviously I'd been here my whole life, but I'd just been, you know, a spectator. And so he put me in the souvenir stand selling t-shirts and, and helping with the merchandising, which I'd had a little bit of experience with in my degree at Baylor. So I started there and worked my way selling tickets. I've done some PR and marketing. Elon Warner's been an incredible you know, help to me throughout these years. And then now I'm a co-owner with my dad and it's been such a pleasure to you know, learn from the bottom and do a little bit of everything. So I have experience now. Well, I always think that those who uh, have to do a little bit of uh, everything uh, at the beginning are, are more rounded and uh, uh, end up being some of the best business people and much more uh, entrepreneurial spirit uh, out there. So congratulations on that. Uh, it seems like you've got a full lineup coming, um, and it goes way beyond drag racing. I think you've got night lights event on Saturday, October 2nd. Give us an idea of the, the other types of events, and what is that night lights event all about? Sure. So our national event is usually a four- to five-day race that we have every fall. It's, this is our 36th annual, annual race with the NHRA. But this year we decided to you know, expand it and make the Stampede of Speed. So it's a nine-day event with promotional events leading up to the race, the Thursday through the Sunday, so October 8th, 9th, and 10th with our NHRA drag racing. So we start off with night lights, which is a huge festival where people come out and they light the Chinese lanterns and lift them up to the sky. And it's an incredible thing to see, you know, 15,000 plus lanterns just light up, you know, the Texas sky. It's a beautiful night with music and s'mores and it's a perfect family activity uh, for those around the DFW area. And then we lead into our very first music festival on um, October 3rd, Sunday. We're having headliner Dustin Lynch with Flatland Calvary, Wade Bowen, and Kyle Park. A lot of those are Texas locals. So we're excited to have a music festival, but along with that music festival, it wouldn't be you know, the Texas Motorplex without cars. So we're having a large car show. We're having a barbecue contest, a beer expo. And then we had to you know, kick off the stampede of speed with a bull riding. So it's going to be a huge day for families. Tickets are only $25 and kids 12 and under are free. Our goal is just to bring a community, um, you know, feel at almost like a fair kind of activity for families so they can come and have something to do outside where it's safe and they can enjoy the beautiful Texas weather. Well, and I think. Then, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, and then I was just going to say Monday starts our racing. We have some, we race every night from Monday through Sunday. So we have fuel altered. We have funny cars. We have pretty much everything you can imagine in the drag racing world from Monday, October 4th through Sunday, October 10th. Well, I, I think you hit on something. Uh, well, one, first, a very impressive list of uh, events and uh, something different and something for kind of everyone, families to, you know, drag racing enthusiasts, that sort of thing. But you hit on uh, really the family piece. We talk a lot on the mic drop about, uh, you know, the community and providing for the community and these great opportunities for families to, to get out and enjoy things that are kind of right under their nose that a lot of people may not even know uh, that uh, the Texas Motorplex is out there or, or, or where it is. So I think that's exciting. Um, you know, from my standpoint, we look at things of what can 
uh, what can visitors experience too? So we could definitely add this to the list when we host events and have, bring people into town. But uh, is there a, I know like Texas Motor Speedway and that sort of thing has a t- kind of racing experience. Is there anything out there at the at the Texas Motorplex at, like that or, or, or something for a overall visitor experience, a private type of event? We, this year we're having a protesting on Wednesday, which is a new thing where the professionals are coming on Wednesday for $20. You can see them run four different rounds, which is huge to be able to experience that outside. This has never happened at the Texas Motorplex before outside of our racing on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with the professionals. Um, you can get up close and personal. You On Monday night, you can be on the starting line watching the cars. We have a pit box experience that fans can win to be able to sit up on the starting line, which is it's most people never get that experience to be that close to a car that 11,000 horsepower that runs 325 miles an hour in just a couple seconds. It's pretty amazing. Now, Christy, you have you have so much going on out there on Highway 287. It's really impressive. But you also have a million dollars in prize money at stake here, right, for, with, the, with the racing. Walk us a little bit through your business model. How were you able to generate that sort of uh, revenue in order to uh, make this not, especially at $25 a ticket. What's your secret to, to being raising that kind of money for a million dollar purse? Well, we've been super fortunate to be able to work with the state of Texas and the legislature. And we are now a part of the major event reimbursement fund. And so we have been, it's been an incredible process that we've worked with Hillco partners out of Austin. And just to be able to walk through this process was so incredible for me. And we have been able to to work with the state of Texas to bring in those reimbursement dollars for the state. And, you know, we've been really lucky to work with an NHRA and to be able just to, you know, have incredible events all year long. I mean, when people were suffering in COVID, we were able to race because we were outside and we were safe and we had an incredible support from the state of Texas and the governor to be able to keep our facility open. And so we have been able to have races. We have incredible sponsors that are helping provide, um, you know, funding for this. And so we, we just feel very fortunate that we can do this and that we can provide this for the racers because, you know, this is one of the largest purses in history. And, you know, we want racers to come here and to know that this is the historical Texas Motorplex and they can run and set more records and they can do things that they can't do elsewhere around the country. You see, this is a comeback story. In February, you were hit pretty hard by the storms, right? And what uh, talk about your the recovery that you had to make? I know you've got some renovations going on, so things are, are you bounced back nicely from 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 those tough times in February. Yes, so we were hit very hard by the storm. I mean, I expected some things. You know, this is an older property; it was built in 1986, so you expect some things to you know go wrong in a major storm like that. But our entire suite tower flooded, and so we have 24 suites, and I mean everything was ruined. So we had to. This whole year has been a process of gutting the entire building and building back from the ground up. And, you know, in this this day of COVID where you can't get supplies and you can't find people to work, it's been a pretty incredible process to be able to get to the point where we are, to be able to open these suites back for our suite holders this coming weekend with all new state-of-the-art technology and the facility furniture. It's all just incredible. And not only have we done that because that's for our suite holders, but we decided to continue to expand our remodel and we've remodeled all of the outdoor bathrooms. We've remodeled this media center. We've paved a large, uh, repaved a large portion of the property. And, you know, we have a five-year plan that we can just continue to just 
develop and build and grow the motorplex so that it can be back to the glory days of drag racing. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment and I'm very proud that we've been able to do this in a short amount of time. You mentioned Elon Warner, one of the great, you know, PR professionals in the, in Dallas, Fort Worth, really in anywhere, uh, you know, Elon and I go way back to his days as a Mavericks intern, one of the all time great interns we ever had. Uh, but despite Elon's best efforts, I have never been to the Texas Motorplex and he's invited me on multiple occasions. So what do you say to somebody like me who is a big sports fan? I like NASCAR. I like Indy cars. I, you know, I, I'm interested, but I have never made the trip out there. What do you say to someone like me to, 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 to uh, get me to come out? Well, it's one of those things you cannot, I mean, if you've seen it on TV, you cannot compare anything to the experience of standing on the starting line and feeling that horsepower. I mean, I, you know, I watch it on TV every year. I like to see our show. I know my friends have seen, you know, there's a lot of my friends that have never been here, you know, and they see it on TV and they're like, oh, you know, cars just are going down, you know, a quarter of a mile, whatever. But to be able to experience it, I, I mean, what the NHRA calls it is baptism by nitro. I mean, it literally shakes you to your core and you can't hear for, you know, I mean, and I know NASCAR is intense, but I promise you, this is the most intense experience you'll ever have in the sporting world. And I mean, once you see it, once you're hooked, there's no way that I've never met somebody that did not enjoy their experience at a drag race. Well, you know, you don't think, you don't think of, uh, you know, the noise is what I think of. And yet with the night lights, that's sort of a peaceful thing. So some serious creativity went into marrying up the peaceful night lights with what's, what's about to come. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one other thing that we provide that a lot of times you can't get elsewhere is the driver access. I mean, you can walk in the pits, you can walk up and watch them work on their car. You can meet drivers. They're very friendly. I mean, we have, we provide more driver access than, I mean, any other motorsports there is. And so it's just, it's a neat thing to be able to work with the drivers and the other teams to be able to provide this fan experience that you can't get elsewhere. So Sully, it sounds like we need to do a road trip, uh, the two of us out to the Texas Motorplex in, in Ennis uh, to take take Christy up on some of this action and have this experience. I mean, I think it's just a lot, you know, I, I know we haven't taken visitors out there, but I think it has to be a unique experience. So Christy, before we let you go, um, you know, this has been a family business down from your dad. Now you're running it. Um, any, what's the long-term look? Are you going to turn this over to, to your children down the road too? I mean, that's my kid's plan. I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and they live for the Texas Motorplex. They ask me daily what, what I'm doing, what I'm planning. They're at school right now and they can't wait to be here. I mean, my daughter has already decided, you know, what job she wants to have and my son, you know, I, I, I don't see any other way, but it's, it's in our blood and I don't think you can get rid of that. So it's become a family affair. You know, my husband works with me and helps my dad's involved. And if my kids are here, my daughter's already begged for the shirt. You know, she wants to help work and serve people and be a hostess. So I, I don't see any other way. Well, I was going to say, when we come out, we may have one working, uh, meet one of them in the concession stand, one uh, uh, assisting with parking. So I, I think that's awesome. Uh, and uh, Christy, where can uh, people get tickets to all of your upcoming events? Sure. Just visit stampedeofspeed.com and you can find the link to get all the tickets you want. Well, we're really looking forward to, to making our way out there. Good luck with your upcoming events. 
Uh, thanks again, Christy, for being on the mic drop. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now what a pleasure to be joined by Michael Finley, Vice President and Assistant GM of the Dallas Mavericks, 15-year NBA career. Not a lot of guys can say that. Of course, nine years with the Mavericks. He averaged 20 points. Finn, I'm a PR guy. He actually averaged 19.8. I believe in rounding up on matters like this. So we're going with 20 points a game for your nine years in Dallas. Two-time NBA All-Star. Won a championship with the Spurs in 2007. Close to my heart, a Chicago guy. Proviso East High School. We could talk about that for a whole program, Finn. Doc Rivers, Sterling Brown, right? Newly acquired uh, by the Mavericks. I'm sure you're taking him under his wing. Uh, University of Wisconsin, 21st pick of the 1995 draft. We're going to talk about that. We're going to redraft the 95 draft here in a minute. Uh, and, and the Badgers uh, have finally gotten around to retiring the number 24 that, uh, that, that Michael wore in, in Madison. So way to go there. The Michael Finley Foundation does great work to help kids reach their potential, both inside and outside the classroom. We're going to spend a minute on that. He's in the movie business. We could talk to Finley all day. Personally, one of my all-time favorite players I got to work with in my Mavericks years. Uh, Finn, thanks so much for, for uh, hopping on the mic drop today. Hey, it's no problem. Thanks for having me. I don't know if you remember this. When the trade happened, when, uh, when, we, when we traded Jason along with Tony Dumas and, and Lauren, Lauren uh, Meyer, right? Lauren Myers? Uh, Lauren from the, yeah, Lauren Meyer from the Mavericks to the Suns. For you, AC Green and Sam Cassell, I was asked to fly out to Phoenix on the team plane to, to pick you guys up and fly back. So I flew out there. I'm on this big Mavericks, you know, the DC-9 by myself, which was weird. And then and the one thing I, want, I don't remember is I remember you and AC. I, you were there for sure. I remember AC. But I remember picking up Sam at DFW in my, in my car later. I don't know why we made Sam Cassell fly commercial, uh, but, but that was a long time ago. Uh, but it was it was the first time we met and you were a pro every step of the way uh, all throughout your career and now into your uh, executive uh, days. So talk a little bit about the journey from those days to these days. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a it's been a, uh, a whirlwind, but it's been a good one. Uh, had some ups and downs, but uh, a lot more ups than downs. And it's, it's been it's been great. I've met some great people over the years. Uh, just reminiscing when you're bringing up that whole uh, draft, I mean, the trade situation. The crazy thing about that is um, how I got the call that I had been traded. So I'm sitting, it's, it's December 26, uh, 1996. I'm actually sitting in my house in Phoenix with my nephew at the time. Um, and we're watching the Mavericks game. And the announcer says, um, Jason Kidd is not coming out of the locker room. Rumors has it that he's been traded. So I go to my nephew. I was like, how stupid would the Mavericks be <laughs> to trade Jason Kidd? 
rookie of the year. He's a good friend of mine. I was like a hell of a player. Why would the Mavericks be that stupid to trade that guy? And lo and behold, five minutes later, my phone rang and Danny Ainge was telling me that I got traded to Dallas for Jason Kidd. So it was, that was a, that was a, uh, emotional night or a crazy night, but it all worked out for the better. I think for both myself and Jason. Well, it all worked out, you know, and that you both came back. So that, so that's a good part. So in 1995, you were the 21st player selected in that draft. And I, I asked, uh, my, my, uh, I asked for a detailed analysis of that draft by my favorite Mavericks employee on the basketball operations staff, a very smart guy. And he came back and told me that if the draft were redone today, uh, you would go third behind KG and Rasheed Wallace. Now that's a big jump from 21. We've got you ahead of Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, How much did that motivate you? And we can make a case about you going number two, by the way. Uh, But how much did that motivate you that you were overlooked so much coming out of college and, and so quickly uh, proved yourself in the NBA? Well, it was, it was a big motivation because, you know, it's especially uh, some of the guys that were, were picked in front of me. I always thought that I were not only better college players than them, but I thought that my game translated to the NBA game better than those guys but you know the teams ahead of me saw differently so it was a big motivation especially uh, earlier in my career when you know I faced those guys uh, for the first time I wanted to prove uh, to those teams that passed me up that they got it wrong and to prove that the guys that they uh, picked over me were was not the right pick so that was that was always been a motivation for me uh uh, the beginning of my career and throughout my career, I just seemed like every stop that I was at that I had to, to, to prove myself. So that was kind of like my chip on, on the shoulder. Is it true that, that Phil Jackson at one point told you the bulls were going to take you at, at 13? I think they were, they were picking. No, actually the bulls were 20, right? Oh, and 20. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. And he said, well, you'll never get to 20. He said, you'll never get to 20, but I don't, I don't even know why we're doing this interview. Uh, when I went to work out with them. And um, at the time, Phil was a big fan of mine, but the late, great Jerry Cross was not a fan of mine. So I knew I had that going against me. And when 20 came and, you know, I was actually at the, at the draft in the green room. And what people don't know, you know, before you're getting drafted by where the camera would go. So when it came to 20 and the camera didn't come in front of me, I was like, well, I told my mom, I'm not going to Chicago. And she's like, why? I was like, you'll see. And they ended up picking Jason Caffey. And then the next pick was Phoenix and the camera got in front of me. So I knew I was going there. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, Jerry Cross didn't miss many, but he, he missed on, on that one. So let's get to, to this year's Mavericks. First, uh, you know, talk a little bit about working with Nico, a little bit of a mystery man. Uh, when he when he got hired for people, tell us about his approach. How you like working with him, and and what do you think he what his strengths will be in leading the Mavericks? Uh, you know, back deep into the playoffs. Well, me and Nico uh, go back a, a long way. His first, I think, his first couple years in with Nike was my first years in the NBA, and I was a Nike athlete at the time. So 
our relationship goes way back to, to, to when we're in our early 20s. So the respect and the uh, uh, admiration for his hard work was already there. So I thought that was a benefit, you know, when he came on, it was a guy that I didn't have to, to get to know. I already knew him, we already had a great relationship. So that was basically helped us getting off on the right foot. And then he brings his professionalism that, you know, catapulted him up the, uh, the totem pole over at Nike. He brings that here and that professionalism, the, the, the sense of uh, the unit being, um, the unit being one and everyone having the same goal and that's to be the best. He brought that attitude to the front office and to the, to the Mavericks organization uh, from day one. And that's been contagious. And I think his blueprint of what the team, uh, what he wants the team to, to be and look like is already evident. So uh, I tip my hat off to him every day. Sounds like from what we've read, the atmosphere of practice has been incredible. Some of the players, Jay Kidd has said the energy uh, vibe better than ever. We've we've read about the, the the sound system, the lights, and the music, and the energy level. What 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 has been your uh, your your thoughts on the first couple of days? Well, it's been great. The energy level has been has been awesome. Um, it's kind of like when you get a substitute teacher, or your your head coach gets kicked out of the game. You have a re revitalized energy whether it's good or bad. Uh, but for us, it's been a good thing. Uh, the guys are, like you said, energetic. Um, all the coaches are involved in everything that the players are doing. Uh, it's just, it's, just a, um, it's, a, it's a good feeling to have over these, these past couple of days. And hopefully we can keep this energy going up throughout the uh, training camp and throughout the season. Because uh, I think if we do that, we can be a pretty good team. Yeah, we've seen reports that, you know, KP looks great, healthy for the first time in training camp. We're all curious to see how Jay Kidd is going to use Luca and KP on the floor together, uh, maybe in a way that's different or more effective than the last couple of seasons. What do you think of, of how Jay Kidd will use those guys and maybe say a word or two about some of the new additions like Sterling Brown and Reggie Bullock and, and, uh, and Moses Brown and a couple others? Yeah, well, Jason's bringing a new approach to to the to the current roster. Um, we have to remember that Jason not only uh, played in this league, but he was historically one of the best point guards to ever play in the entire NBA. He's a Hall of Famer, so he knows what it takes to uh, you know bring uh, a team together and 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 get it to the championship level. He's a championship player as well. So what he will do will give the, the guys um, uh, a great example of what it takes to get to that next level. And I think he has a he has a, uh, a personality where he can relate to to Luca and to, to KP, and also to the some of the rookies or younger guys on the team. When you look at guys like Josh Green, uh, he can relate to all those guys and bring them in on the same page and have the same focus on being the best that they can be. Uh, and with our new additions, uh, Reggie um, and Sterling, uh, bringing back uh, Tim 
Jason just um, what I call a player's coach. And a lot of people, you know, see the, the definition of player's coach differently. You know, some people think a player's coach is a coach that just let the players go out there and do whatever they want. <laughs> I don't think that's the true definition of a player's coach. When I say a player's coach, I think with Jason, he puts himself in the shoes of the players and, you know, put them in situations where that he's been in before that he can relate to. Uh, when it comes to days off, he understands that, you know, players, they do get tired. They might need time off. So he understands the, the nuances of, of being a player. And that's when I'd say that he's a player coach. That's what he brings to the tables. And I think the guys will, will, will definitely uh, vibe into that. Michael, you, you didn't miss a game for five straight seasons at one point in your career. And then between 98 and 01, you averaged 42 points a game. That's, that's ridiculous. How, how many players in today's game do you think could do that? 42, 42 minutes, not points. Minutes, yeah, minutes, minutes. I averaged 42 Sorry, points, I'll be in the Hall of Fame right now. <laughs> 42 minutes a game. Not, not, yeah, not many players could do that in any time period of the game. So who do you yeah, think could do that? It's, it's a different era. Um, uh, I think the guys nowadays, they start playing basketball at such a young age, uh, the good ones. And if you're starting at eight, nine years old and you're playing, you know, every summer, every other day, and then you carry that on through high school, AAU, uh, some that may go to college, and then you come to the NBA, some of these guys are have a lot of miles on their body before they even get into the NBA. And for me, I just, I, I cherish my time on the court, but more importantly, I cherish the time off the court, meaning uh, I appreciated rest. Uh, once I got done with my work on the court, whether it's practice or getting up my extra work after practice, I was home. I was getting off my feet. I wasn't really running around the streets and hanging out because I, I, I felt that as a professional and getting paid all this amount of money, I was paid to play 48 minutes. <laughs> Even though you don't play 48 minutes, that's how I figured that that's how I prepared to play, whether it was during my conditioning. And that's how I took care of my body off the court so that if I was asked to play 48 minutes, I wanted to be prepared. And that was my mindset. And I just think the guys nowadays have, have logged so many minutes over the years that, you know, they may be a little bit tired. <laughs> you, uh, you, won, you won a title with Spurs in 07. What did you learn from that? And how, how would that kind of influence your, your work at the Mavs and with Nico and with, with Jay Kidd? You know, one thing I learned that, you know, in order to be the best, you have to prepare to be the best. And I think my years in San Antonio, uh, especially that 07 year, we, we really did that from the coaching staff uh, all the way down to the 15th man on the bench. And, you know, when you have that mindset going into training camp throughout the year, you know, when adversity hits, you understand that's just part of the journey. Uh, it's just not that one game that, that ultimately wins the championship. 
It's all those games before that that prepared you for that moment. And in San Antonio, that was pretty much our mantra. And when you have a leader like a, a Greg Popovich at the league to, to lead us in that direction, and then you have Hall of Famers on the court leading you as well, like Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, you know, those guys set an example. And, you know, Coach Popovich would get on those guys as hard as he would get on the guys, the 15th man on the bench. And that showed that it wasn't about, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't about the I or the individual. It was all about being a team. And that team concept is what ultimately won us a championship in 07. You know, what's ultimately going to win the Mavericks a championship, Finn, is going to be, you would think, uh, the contributions of Luka Doncic surrounded by uh, all the other, other pieces. Luka is unreal. But what is he, where can he still get better? What does he need to work on to improve in camp uh, and into this, what's hard to believe, his fourth season? Yeah, I mean, we have to, we have to remember that Luka is only 22 years old. Um, so with, with, with each year becomes an added year of mature, maturity, not only as a, a basketball player, but as a man. And with that, that will become uh, even, even more improvement in his game. Um, you know, he still can be, I think he has, you know, great assists, uh, but I think he can limit his less turnovers. Uh, he's a great scorer, but I think he can be a better scorer from three-point range. Uh, I'm, I'm just nitpicking him because he's, he's such a good player, but, you know, he's, he's, he's at a point where he can make, you know, the people around him even better. And ultimately, a sign of his improvement will be how far we go as a team. If we go further in the playoffs, uh, past the first round, past the second round, and ultimately to a championship, it's, it's going to be because Luka improved. So that's, that's the challenge that I have uh, for him going ahead. And that includes not letting their officials get to you so much, right? A, a missed call or a questionable call? Well, again, that goes with maturity. He's 22, mm -hmm. 22 years old. Um, you know, I have a 12-year-old son who throws uh, temper tantrums at home all the time. <laughs> so it, 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 just, it, just, it just comes with the maturity. And I think it's, it's, it's Luca wanted to win so bad that he wants to, um, he thinks with anybody who's taken that away from him or taken that chance away from him to win is against him. And sometimes it comes out, you know, during the games against the referees, but uh, he's going to get better. If you notice toward the end of the playoffs, when his text got up to a point where he could possibly uh, miss a game, he, he, he knows how to, to tone it down. So he's a smart player and he'll, 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 he'll get better in, in that area. I guarantee. Before we let you go, Finn, talk a little bit about the work of the Michael Finley foundation. I know that means a great deal to you. Yes. I mean, my foundation is, is built around, uh, giving back, um, you know, growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a single parent household, knowing that my mom do, did all that she can do to give me the best chance to succeed. So I wanted to give these the same opportunity to the kids that I touch uh, through my foundation. Uh, we have a gifts academy where we we have a what I call a private school atmosphere. Uh, uh, for the kids that don't get a chance to get that 
during the school year. We do that during the summer for four weeks. Uh, and it's not only for those four weeks, but we continue that throughout the year in a mentorship where I visit the kids at least once a month at their school and have a constant conversation with their parents as well. Just trying to give these kids an opportunity to succeed. Not, not all of them will succeed, we, we know, but hopefully most of them will succeed. And I just wanna do what I can to give them the best chance at doing that. And if it means um, showing them that life can be better if you prepare, put in the hard work, I'm gonna do that. It's just, it seems, Mike, that so many, whether it's Cowboys, Stars, Mavericks, Rangers, the athletes who, who've played here for even sometimes just a few years stay here and they either get involved in local business, they stay in sports, but almost all of them are involved in the community like, like you are. What is it about Dallas that so many athletes like yourself stay and, and give back? Well, I, th I think the one thing that the, the, it's a sports town and they, they, um, they're very engaged with their sports teams, meaning that they, um, you have diehard Mavericks fans, you have diehard Cowboys fans and Rangers fans. So they live and die with every game, just like we, we as players do. And that affection is, is, is seen when we come out to our stadiums or our arenas and that relationship is there with our fans. So the least that we can do as athletes is give back to the community that's given given us so much uh, through the cheers and booze at times, uh, but but we love it. So for us as as athletes, the least we can do is give back to these communities and to these kids and 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 tell them uh, it's our way of saying thank you, thank you for cheering us through the ups and downs and being that being there for us. Well, thanks for all you're doing, uh, Finn. We encourage. Mike Drop Nation to go to michaelfinleyfoundation.org. You can donate there very easily to support the uh, the academy that that uh, Michael described to us. Really appreciate you coming on today, and uh, let's go Mavs. Yes, thank you. It's it's good seeing you, man. You haven't aged one year since the last time I've seen you since we worked together. But it's always well, good seeing you, brother. I, I definitely aged, but uh, we those were some good times, and let let's keep them going. So. Thanks again, Finn. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. All right, Sally, what are you doing this weekend? Because I'm going to the Dallas Zoo. The Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with its more than 2,000 animals. Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com today to purchase your tickets. Now, it's such a pleasure to be joined by the legendary Norm Hitzkiss of The Ticket. Norm hosted the first sports talk show in Dallas, The Sports Spectacular, on KER Radio. That was Friday mornings, right, Norm? Right. It was Friday mornings in the middle 70s. The 1975, I think, uh, the I Am Not a Jack Club. We, I used to listen before reporting in for duty at the Mavericks, at least as of 1980. I remember Glenn Mitchell, the late. Wonderful Glenn Mitchell as your straight man. Uh, but that was just the beginning. You really, but you really were a pioneer in terms of launching sports talk in Dallas. All the great years at WBAP, KLIF, the ticket. Uh, we had Donovan on the program, your partner from 10 till noon last week. He represented the show quite well. Uh, you've been honored by multiple Hall of Fames, Texas Radio, Texas Baseball, Halls of Fame. 
We worked together when you were a color analyst on Mavericks games and Rangers. You're an author of a few books. You're a poet. Uh, we could go on, but Norm, it is such a thrill to have you here on the mic drop. Thanks for joining us. Kevin, thank you very much. And I'm really proud of the fact that we've been friends now for my goodness, almost 41 40, years. I was yeah. going to say four decades. Wow. And neither one of us have changed a bit. So what, why what is it? Why haven't you aged? <laughs> I don't know. It's a clean living, I guess, Norm. <laughs> what, what is it about you and your approach to your work that has enabled you to connect so deeply and meaningfully with the sports fans of Dallas? Well, I'm going to give, give you an answer that's going to sound highfalutin, but I don't want it to. I, I think the sports listener appreciates hearing work. And I, I find, with no offense to my colleagues around the country, I find sports talk now to be jibber-jabber in a lot of places. And I still get up early in the morning, Kevin, just like I did doing the Maverick game, showing up at 3.30 for a 7.30 game and, and doing work. And that's always the way I've been. I don't, I don't have any shtick. I don't, no offense to Donald Miller, but I don't do funny voices. <laughs> I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, the only way to survive for me is to do work and, and hope that the listening audience appreciates the work. Well, it, clearly the audience does appreciate the work because they've, they've stuck with you uh, for, for all these years. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit. So the Mavericks and the Stars are underway. The Cowboys are looking good. But let's start with the Mavericks. Uh, training camp underway. We had Michael Finley on a few minutes ago. The energy seems to be different uh, and exciting uh, around uh, the practice facility. What do you think? Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what are you seeing? What do you think here early on in camp about their prospects to take a step forward, Jason Kidd and the development of Luca and some other players? Well, let's, let's talk for a minute about that step forward. Realize that last year when this team got healthy, that is, it got through injuries and it got through COVID, they went 54 and 16 the last 50 games. That is an outrageous pace. They were a really good basketball team last year. And yes, they lost in the fir first round of the Clippers, but they had the lead in game seven in the late third quarter on the Clippers floor. And we saw what the Clippers went on and did even without Kawhi Leonard. So I, I think it's nice to have all the, the fine prospects and, and all the happiness about this team moving forward. But we must realize this team doesn't have a lot of moving forward to do. It was a good basketball team last year. And hopefully, maybe with a new enthusiasm, maybe with a, a wing shooter like Bullock who can make baskets when left open on the perimeter, which poor Josh Richardson couldn't. I, I think the Mavericks have terrific prospects. The, the last thing is their problem, they're in the NBA West, where you can be a really good basketball team and finish seventh. So Norm, that, that, that's for sure. Norm, there's there's some other excitement in the air here with our our Dallas Cowboys. Seems to be uh, 
playing uh, well, a little bit different type of football than we're, we're used to. I think uh, fans are, are excited. What do you foresee for, for the upcoming games, and what are some maybe some weaknesses that uh, uh, fans or the team need to look out for? Well, we must realize it is very early in the season. Some teams that don't look any good right now are going to turn into good football teams. Some teams that look pretty good right now are going to turn into mediocre football teams. That being said, the Cowboys will soon get back a handful of players that will fortify them even more. And I think the fans are getting maybe a little too excited about the beating of Philadelphia because I don't think Philadelphia's good at all. I think Philadelphia's going to get beaten the next four weeks. Philadelphia's going to be one and six. But all that being said, this division is here for the taking. This is a club that's offensive line is back and healthy again. That is the big, biggest single factor other than getting Dak back. That's the biggest single factor for this team because this team's offensive line allows it to do anything they want offensively. You want to run inside, you want to run outside, you want to throw the ball long, you want to throw the ball short. The Cowboys can do anything they really want offensively. Now, will the defense hold up? That's the question. And we don't know that right now. Against Philadelphia, I, I think it was fine, other than for most of the evening, I saw two Philadelphia tight ends running around and nobody around them. <laughs> but Jalen Hurts, it was just a single game by Jalen Hurts, but he's a grenade thrower. Uh, he's just trying to get it close to somebody. And his accuracy was so awful the other night. Down the road, the, the uh, Cowboys are going to be quarterbacks who are way more accurate than Jalen Hurts. Well, you know, Norm, when you talk about this, we see the work coming through that you just, that you just talked about. Uh, how long are you going to do this? for you battled some health issues we're all, always pulling for you and praying for you on that front uh what do you think you know that's a that's a really good question i ask myself a lot kevin and myself and my wife mary talk about that because we love the travel and we'd love the travel extensively but you know when you only get four weeks vacation a year you can't you can't travel extensively um, but I, I absolutely love what I do. And if I give up loving what I do, I will be able to do other things. I will be able to write. I will be able to, tra be able to travel, all that. But I love doing sports talk. I've always loved it because the job is different every morning. You wake up and see what's happened overnight or some knucklehead's done this or some team has done this. And it's a whole new world every morning. And that's what's exciting about this job. Well, keep doing it because you still, you still have it. You've still got your fastball. So this is the part of the program, Norm, where we ask our guests uh, to let us know what they're streaming. What are, they, what are you downloading? What are you streaming? It could be a book, music, podcast, a TV, movie. What's a recommendation you have for the Mic Drop audience? Have you seen the series Succession? I have. Big fan. Can't wait till oh, it comes back. The acting and writing on that show is spectacular.
spectacular. I didn't know people could be that mean to each other when they're members of a family. But I think the series Succession is fantastic. And the third year drops in, what, a couple of weeks, Kevin? Early November, I believe. Uh, oh, oh, well, yeah. no, you, no, I don't yeah. want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, that's what I was told. Uh, so we have to uh, wait another another month or so. Uh, th that, you ask music. The funny thing is, Mary and I, neither one of us grew up country and Western fans, and suddenly we're playing a lot of country and Western songs on, on the car, uh, car radio and the car, uh, whatever you call that stuff, Apple uh, music or what? Uh, yeah. Anyway, you can tell I'm really technologically intelligent here. You leave that to Mary. Yes, exactly. Uh, Monica, you have a download for us this week? Well, I don't have a download from from like a Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or anything like that. I with with uh, you know TV shows coming back on, I've uh, had to start and get caught up on my NCIS nine one one and uh, mm -hmm. the Good Doctor. So I'll, I'll be catching up on those and uh, pro probably head back to more of the other streaming and download opportunities next week. Yeah, big big nine one one fan here too. I'm gonna go with uh, you know we're gonna talk about the stars in the weeks to come. So I'm going to go with the All or Nothing series on Amazon Prime featuring the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, the Cowboys were, uh, were part of this series a few years ago. So the, it documents last season. So it's not like Hard Knocks where it's unfolding closer to real time. Mm -hmm. And the Maple Leafs had a brutal, high expectations and brutal disappointment. So I'm expecting a lot of emotion uh, to come out, which you don't often see with, uh, with NHL players. So I'm looking forward to checking out All or Nothing with the Toronto Maple Leafs starting uh, tonight on Amazon Prime. And, and Norm, I have to also leave our, our listeners with one other recommendation, and that's, that's Horizons in the Mirror, your book of wow. poems from 1971. You can find <laughs> it online. And, you know, you mentioned not having a bunch of jibber-jabber gimmicks. Well, you wrote a poem called Words uh, more than, I guess, right at 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and the beginning is words like balloons can be inflated far beyond intent, but balloons being truth would rather burst than go farther than they're meant to. And I think a lot of that could be applied to a lot of uh, the commentary that we hear uh, both in news and sports this year with words, uh, you know, going farther than they're meant to. So thank you 50 years ago for that. And I encourage our fans, our listeners to your fans and our listeners to check that out as well. Thank you, Kevin. That's very, very nice of you. Very nice of you. Well, we're, we're honored, Norm, that you that you came on and uh, on the mic drop. It's really been fun talking with you, and we hope to do it again soon. Uh, anytime, anytime, my friend. And, and in the meantime, uh, on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to Norm for joining us, Christy Meyer Johnson and Michael Finley. Thanks to our showrunner, Tony Fay, and the mic drop production team, Danielle Whitelaw, Angela Lang, and Marcus Carr, all of Tony Fay PR. Of course, Mark and Jay at Vocal Media. Special thanks to Chris Amelia for all your help in episodes one through 32. And until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.